Since at least the 18th century, there have been discoveries in northwestern continental Europe and Britain of bog bodies, human remains which have been preserved in the anoxic environment of bogs. These specimens are very well preserved with hair, skin, and clothing often being retained for centuries. Bog bodies offer a unique view into ancient societies, but they also raise many questions that are often related to how they ended up in their odd burial location. Did they end up in bogs as human sacrifices, as a punishment for criminal behavior, or perhaps by an unfortunate accident? Each of their stories is uniquely mysterious. Join me as we talk about seven mind-boggling bog body stories here on Loot. afternoon and evening to everyone listening right now to this bearded man. I do hope you're ready to have your minds flooded with a topic you've never heard of before. Bog bodies. Now look, don't act like you know what bog bodies are. Maybe body snatchers, not bog bodies. Nah, nah. Anyways, we're going to touch on that in a few, but first things first. Dun, 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 dun. Trending Twitter. It's a part of the segment that we just pretty much talk about different trends currently on Twitter. Now, moving right along, one of the trends that I never thought I'd see, meatloaf. Meatloaf. And no, it's not the food. For anybody that's, you know, young and don't know who meatloaf is. <laughs> Anyways, Independent says, Meatloaf says Greta Thunberg has been brainwashed into thinking climate change is real. That's where all this derived from, by the way, meatloaf. Um, it's what he said. Independent was pretty much just saying, uh, retweeted what Meatloaf said. Frank Conniff says, it is real. Decades ago, Meatloaf was considered relevant and had a lot of fans. But the climate changed, pun intended. But real quick before we get any further and some other people's thoughts on uh, Meatloaf, we're going to do a backstory on Greta. Greta Thunberg is a 17-year-old climate and environmental activist. Greta also has over 3.8 million followers on Twitter alone. Born January 3rd, 2003 in Sweden, she is known for a straightforward speaking manner. Also, Greta is part of a movement called School Strike for the Climate. All right, great. I'm glad you know who Greta is. Half onion in a bag. I've known actual meatloafs that are smarter than meatloaf. Nice one, onion. Togger Guru. Tiger Guru. Now, I like this is funny. Don't know. Don't know whether to believe all the scientists who have studied the impact of current climate change and has published their findings across a number of academic and scientific journals or Meatloaf, who's actually a full-grown man named after Meatloaf. I thought it was a pretty good one. Anyways, moving along. Now, the trend is Australia. Now, this is a hot topic. No pun intended. Not joking on this one. If you haven't checked the news or live under a rock, Australia's been on fire for quite some time. So anybody out there who's, you know, thought about donating this month to me or Patreon, I mean, don't donate to me this month. You know, for the month of January, do not donate to me any proceeds. Donate that to um whatever, you know, could be the Red Cross uh, AU, the Australia version. But, you know, if you're going to donate your money, donate to Australia, any organization that gives that you trust to help with these people. I mean, this is... But um, 
a couple people that's hit upon it on Twitter was the Ellen Show. It's impossible to understand the size and destruction of the fires in Australia. Here are the three organizations I've already donated to. I hope you'll donate to. And she has three donations there, three organizations. And you guys might want to pick this too. NSWRFS. Again, NSWRFS. All one word. Other is, uh, second one is Red Cross AU. And the third is WRES underscore NSW. Again, I can't stress enough if you even thought about, even contemplated on, you know, becoming a Patreon this month, forget it. Don't do it. Just put that that money toward Australia. They need it more than I do. With that said, Kiss Hiles. Now this is, you know, we get the politics of things and some people's kind of angry toward what's going on. Months ago, it was the Amazon. Today is Australia. While politicians bring winds of war from Iran and the United States. Where is the international cooperation to stop this new environmental crisis? Vavel, 53, repeat, pray for Australia. It's so sad. Support this country. And again, I have to agree. Like I said, if you got money um, to spare, ties to spare, Australia, any kind of fun. I mean, to help these people. Someone's got to care. Moving on to the next trend. Not much about it, but it was on there. Pence. I'm sure you know where this is going. Pence. New York Times says Vice President Mike Pence claims that Iranian general helped 10 of the men who would go on to carry 9-11 attacks, but it's not backed up or, you know, by established accounts or public U.S. intelligence. The U.S. singers. Mike Pence was a liar in 2003, and he's a liar now. He's also... (laughs) Let me stress that real quick. The U.S. singers. The U.S.A. singers. They're a band for the resistance group. Against the government. This could explain in a couple seconds why you'll see why this tweet completely escalates <laughs> off the rails. Anyways, it was normal. You know, it could have. You know, they could have stopped it. Mike Pence was a liar in 2003. He's a liar now. Could have left it there. Could have left it there, but couldn't. Here's where it just it just escalated quickly. He's also a cowardly, chicken hawk, warmongering, fascist, talibangelical, regressive, phony, hypocritical traitor. If that's not enough for you, he goes on to just nip in the butt. Ready? Full crazy. Repent, Mike. The end of the GOP is near. Jesus is on our side, not yours. Yeah, absolute uh, lunatic, to be honest. Absolute lunatic. Now, I did like this. I did like this trend. Hashtag, I'm having trouble with. So everything I'm about to read, I'm going to start it with or end it with. I think start it with. I'm having trouble with. Muna, Muna Nawabit one. So I guess there's a original uh, Muna Nawabit. I'm having trouble with shutting off my brain at night. Yeah, it's kind of original. Anyways, irrational. I'm having trouble with losing weight when I love food. That is totally me. 100%. I believe a lot of people can agree, whether you agree out loud or to yourself. It's rough. Brand new McMahon. I'm having trouble with keeping a positive amount in my bank account. Look at that. Back to back. That's totally me also. I know a lot of us can can concur with that state. Anything Bork. I'm having trouble with getting motivated to go back to work. I mean, all of these, I believe we can all agree on, on a lot of these. And lastly, I am Dan Levy. Says... I'm having trouble with sticking with my New Year resolutions. We're like four or five days down. Dan, that must have been some weak resolutions. Just saying. I mean, we all break them, most of them. I know I do. But, I mean, come on. Fifth, fifth day into it. Slacker. Moving on to Streamer Spotlight. 
Streamer gets a $700 speeding ticket. $700 speeding. I personally, I mean, I know it's the holidays, but I just didn't know it can go that high. I thought we'd just like, I mean, I know they mentioned a lot you can get with jail time, like in a construction zone, but. Anyways, Twitch streamer EBZ was given a $700 speeding ticket through the holiday travels as he was streaming on Twitch from his phone to his fans. I mean, I guess it's better than drinking and driving, but, you know, distracted and driving can be just as bad. Now, this one's a good one. Dr. Disrespect, one of my personal favorite uh, streamers, a.k.a. two-time, two-time champion. He kicks out a donator, which that is not uncommon but dr disrespect kicks out a donator of nine dollars from his live stream session he told his donator to get out and that he doesn't belong in the champions club for those that don't know if you are a donator if you're a donator or you um subscribe you um belong in his mythical world called the champions club hashtag it on twitter anyways he doesn't belong in the champions club after the donator confesses to choking his wife which i mean it's hard to tell. See, from my my standpoint, I think the donator is a liar who loves attention. You know what I mean? But in Dr. Disrespect's um, perspective, you know, there's thousands of people watching him as he's got to react to what he just heard. And if he doesn't react, bad. If he shrugs it off, bad. So it leaves only really one option is to take action. Even though, I mean, I, I, I'm a strong believer, too, you know, in domestic violence. Definitely against it. But... If somebody said it to me, I shrug him off just because I know he's an idiot. He's lying. You know what I mean? Just being stupid. You know, like I said, being in the spotlight, you really can't do that. But anyways, Dr. Disrespect, despite his Twitch personality, he has a zero tolerance for abuse of any kind. If you don't know him, you got to watch him. Um, He's he's actually a really good guy. You know, he's messed up in the past. Uh, I'm not going to get involved into his uh, skeletons. But he's a a reborn man. He's a good guy. Um, And he's a character man he is a character he actually unlike ninja ninja's good don't get me wrong but he's just like you know whatever man that's it but doc disrespect i mean he put you can feel it you can see it he puts so much time and effort into everything he does day to day stream to stream good guy oh it's interesting one Microsoft cancels streamers partnership after a sex offender tweet this guy's garbage harrison aka harrison jr Patrick has been only partnered with Mixer for about a week when he then became unverified because of a tweet he sent out before he went live on Mixer. His tweet was as follows. Come watch a registered sex offender play Fortnite with 10-year-olds. After the tweet blew up on social media, he immediately issued an apology tweet that said, I want to apologize for my recent tweet. I absolutely agree that it was inappropriate, and I'm sorry to the people that it is upset, which is like, uh, I don't know, everyone? I mean, stupid. So dumb. So dumb. He said, I made it without thinking how it would actually read. Which, I mean, really? It, it's just a bunch of crap. Because, you know, you know, it's like a, you know, man, it's like a kid knows he's in trouble, you know? They tell you anything you want to hear. It, it, oh, man, it's so dumb, you know? It's a, but, anyways, he says, I meant it to be as a joke, which I don't know. I mean, I really, you know, you already heard it. How, how's that a joke? You know what I mean? It's ridiculous. How's that, how's that, how's that a, a, a joke in any way whatsoever? Just ridiculous. I mean, just, oh, that just burns me up. Burns me up. I don't care if it's a joke or not. I mean, we know there's, there's a very young crowd on Fortnite. But, I mean, who in their right mind says that? I don't care if it's a joke or not. So, I mean, just an idiot. And what I'm about to read to you is repercussions. I'm glad. I'm glad the moron gets in trouble. 
You know, anyways, he says, I mean, it's a joke, but I agree that it isn't something that shouldn't, that should be joked about. I'm, now, I'm going to say it a couple of times because you'll see why. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's all he's got out of it. I'm sorry. His account, though, is no longer verified as partner. Thank God. And it's not even active, apparently. With all of his previous streams deleted and a small message that's left in, in, in the top that simply says, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Sorry, idiot. Just an idiot. I used to try to get, you know, I used to try to get partnered with either Twitch or Microsoft. I mean, I did. I mean, I was, I, I, you know, I did. I did a hard in the paint, man. Hard in the paint. You know, I'm. I, I may have been look beautiful. Try to talk to everybody. It's hard. And this moron gets partnered and then pulls one of those. I mean, really, just an idiot. So everything that's happened to him, he, he, he uh, deserves it all. Moving on to some odd news. Odd news. Now, this story really don't freak me out too terribly much. Now, if it was a spider, like a big tarantula or something, I'd be a little more freaked out. Anyways, I'm not saying I wouldn't be freaked out, I'm about to tell you. Hotel guests find snake occupying their room. And don't get me wrong, I'd be freaked out in a corner. I mean, I'd be freaked out if I seen a snake on the ground coming after me. You know, let alone let alone if it was like, you know, in a in a in a room with me. Anyways, animal rescuers were called a British hotel and were shocked as a guest went to the room and discovered it was already occupied by a snake. The RSPCA said their guests um, at the hotel in the Doncaster checked in on New Year's Eve and went up to their room where they saw the king snake, species native to the Americas. Staff were alerted and went to the room, saw the snake, closed and put towels up against the door and promptly called us. RSPCA Inspector Sarah Jordan said. Jordan responded to the hotel and spent an hour searching in that room before she found the intruding serpent. We managed to lift the headboard off the wall, but found no snake. Then we lifted, finally lifted the TV desk off the wall. There the snake was, all curled up and unaware of the havoc they've wreaked, she said. RSPCA officials said the snake appears healthy and well cared for. Jordan, though, she suspects the snake might be a pet that stowed away in another hotel guest luggage. Either way... That would be miserable. Have a snake or anything that's moving besides your kids if you got them in your hotel room. Ugh. Ugh. So nasty. Seven-year-old boy swallows AirPod Christmas gift on accident. Now, for, my first thought was on accident. How do you accident? You know, we've always put stuff in our mouth. They're chewing on something, whatever. And this kid did that. So a Georgia mother shared an x-ray photo showing the new location of the Apple AirPod her son received for Christmas. His stomach. Uh, Carrie Stroud said her seven-year-old son received a new set of AirPods as a Christmas gift. He ended up in the emergency room when he told her he had accidentally swallowed one. The boy told his mother he had been holding the AirPod in his mouth when he swallowed it accidentally. He was like, Mom, I don't want my phone because he got a new phone for Christmas as well. I don't want to be near my phone. I don't want to connect to my phone and start playing music. I'm like, oh my God. He's a crazy kid, Stroud said. Now, the doctors decided to leave the AirPod where it, where it is and told her it will pass through the body naturally. Oh, my God, that just sounds horrible. That's, ter- that's terrifying. Pass through the body naturally. Cut it out. Get it a hill. You know? I'm going to pass that. It's an AirPod. Oh, good Lord. Anyways, the mother said her son will be using wired headsets until he gets a little older. Good call, Ma. Now, this next story, it's actually... It's actually when I first, you know, looked up the stories, actually, I was like, ah, uh, yeah, we. But it actually being, it actually was a, a pretty good story. Good story. Man's collection of baseball cards earned Guinness record. Now, when you first see that, you're like, ooh, wow, dude's got a lot of cards. But it actually carries a really good story behind it. A baseball card collector in Idaho 
has achieved a Guinness World Record by amassing a collection of 2.7 million cards. Paul Jones, 34 years of age, was awarded a Guinness World Record for the largest private baseball card collection when the record-keeping organization verified that he had more than 2.7 million cards. Now, first off, I was like, oh, yeah, that's a lot of cards. Cool. That's great. Yeah. Woo. But here's where the cool story comes in. He's not just some 34-year-old that, you know, collects a lot. Jones' parents said his love of baseball and card collecting began at the age of 10. They said he has Asperger's syndrome and a learning disorder, so it was difficult for him to find hobbies that interested him. Baseball in our house is a big deal because it did save Polly, said his father Barry. It taught him how to count. It taught him how to read. Well, it definitely helped his reading and spelling and everything. I mean, it was a tool. Paul Jones said he uses Facebook and other tools to correspond with players during the winter to get them to autograph his cards. During the spring and summer, he attends games with his father and tries to get autographs in person. The plays, the sounds, the smells. I just love the whole entire game of baseball in general, Paul Jones said. Jones is often found at games wearing a foul ball Paul hat. It's a reference to the time a foul ball hit him in the head. Yeah, it's my trademark, he said. And, you know, like I said, that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a really good story, really warming story. I mean, you know, when you first read it, like I said, you're like, oh, wow, dude's got a lot of cards. He broke a record. People breaking records all day. But the, the really cool part, though, is, is what he's overcame with what he got dealt with and how he overcame. So it's a, it's a really good, really good story. I like more stories like that there. The uplifting feel to it. Ooh, next. Oh, ladies and gents. Ladies and gents. I'm telling you right now, this next part, it's the doozy. It's good. I'm going to play a clip, okay? In a couple seconds, I'm going to play a clip of an interview that I had with a guest by the name of Tim. If you remember the episode two, Unhinged Guest. He was um, part of that with Chris. But anyways, we sit down and talk about an encounter he had with Bigfoot himself. See, he lived in a holler named Lentz Hollow, which also a book was released on Bigfoot that thrived in that hollow. That's what makes it so interesting. And um, it's, oh, it's, it is good. It is good. It'll make you think, though. Really will. Anyways, all right, in the studio, we have a special guest from episode two, if you remember, unhinged guest, Tim. We'll be talking about his Bigfoot encounters. You can go ahead and start it off if you want. All righty. Approximately 1975 to 1980, we lived in the small town of Lucasville, Ohio, located back behind a lot of people's heard of the uh, maximum security penitentiary in Lucasville. Um, we lived in a dead-end hollow called Lentz Hollow. This place, even to this day, is notorious for Bigfoot or sightings of, of such. So um, uh, just just one story that I have for you is uh, when, I was, when I was young, my uh, father and my sister and I were fishing. And we come back home like around dusk, uh, just starting to get dark. And my mom was upset. Um, she was in the kitchen area, area. She was like canning, you know, vegetables. And she noticed that something at the bottom of the hill that met the back of our yard was squatted down with its arms around its legs, just watching her in the kitchen. So she went and um, got, she had a 38 revolver, as I remember, and she shot at it before we got there. Um, when she opened the door, she said, she said she thought before it could have been a bear, but whenever she opened the door, it actually stood up. So she seen it was extremely tall and hairy, and it took off up the hill, and that's when she proceeded to shoot at it. So... At that time, my dad went and got a shotgun, and I could hear my dogs um, up on the hill, you know, 
confronting it. Um, I didn't see it, but I could hear it screaming and breaking branches. Um, my dad actually shot at it. I'm not sure if he hit it or not. But just at that time, you know, just wandering, you know, you're asking your parents, what is that? I'm thinking it's a monster. And then they they said it's, it's more than likely like a Bigfoot or something. But, you know, they acknowledged it by saying, you know, if something on the hill wanted to hurt you, it would have already done so. So she, my mom said it didn't cause any, you know, it, it wasn't meant to harm us, even though it sounded aggressive. But, um... And was this all in, uh, sorry, was this all in Lentz Hollow? Yeah, Lentz Hollow. And for all those city dwellers out there... There's a difference between darkness and then darkness is in a hollow. Totally different. The, the darkness, I mean, the only, what, the usually only light you have is like a dust till dawn light, you know, or the lights provided by whoever lives in there. But there's no street lights. There, there is no illumination whatsoever. Just kind of paint a picture for everybody out there. Hollows, if you live in a hollow, it's scary in general. Go on, go on. Yeah, yeah, we were the second house from the end. We actually lived in a log cabin with an addition built on. Pretty frightening as a kid. For your parents and everyone, everyone in the family has experienced something happening when they've come out to stay with us or visit. Long story short, the next day uh, when my mother went out back, there was blood on the back porch where my either my mom had hit whatever it was or my dad had hit it with you shooting the guns at him. My dog I had three dogs. One of my dog's sides was ripped out. You could see the, the ribs and, and everything. So dog didn't live like halfway through the next day. So just whenever your parents acknowledge that there is something <laughs> is awfully scary. So needless to say, I slept in my mom and dad's bed for probably four or five years. Scared that whatever it was was going to carry me off in the woods, and and like I said, I never I never thought about the word Bigfoot until all the people, um, you know, my parents, the relatives, and friends, you know, coined the phrase Bigfoot. So I grew up knowing from that point on what Bigfoot really was. And what's kind of funny about it is living in Lincolnshire, okay, has an encounter with Bigfoot, and then also, I mean, years down the road, there's also you can look it up. There's a book published, and it's about, and it's the same, it's the exact same one. The Lentz Hollow Bigfoot. You all should look it up. I would be absolutely terrified. And then incidentally, after that, after the evening, like the next day when my dog did die from the encounter we had, um, the, the sheriff's department was there. Um, I was young. I don't know. There was a bunch of guys around everywhere. Uh, the only thing I do know is that they did pour casts of footprints. So the next day after the uh, the incident with my mom and my dad shooting at what was screaming on the hill and breaking large branches, it was so noisy. I, I do know. I was young, but I do know there was a sheriff, some sheriff members there. And I'm not sure who else. They had like a large, you know, team of guys together. They poured like footprint casts, took hair samples off the back porch and blood samples. Uh, the the last I know is that, I'll hear my mom talk, is that she said that the hair samples didn't match. It come close to a bear, but didn't match anything that they knew of. Pretty pretty terrifying experience, but that's something I had to, had to live with day in and day out. All the neighbors that had dogs is where he was attracted to. Um... It seems like he would go where there wasn't animals, but um, it has been on our roof. You could hear it walking around, um, so it was a pretty horrifying experience growing up as a child there. Um, and like I said, to this day, um, you can go up Lentz Hollow and, and talk to a number of people that's that's had similar experiences that we've had. This wasn't, a, this wasn't the only time you had an encounter, right? I mean, growing up, I mean, Lentz Hollow was where it started. You know, where you first start encountering the uh, Bigfoot. Uh, wasn't there the other in location, I mean, like encounter-wise, that it's happened? Yeah, just, I mean, in, in a similar area, as adults, I was married. 
Um, I had my cousin call me, and he actually, there's a window that's probably seven foot tall off the back of their house because it sloped down. He called me at like three in the morning, said that he's seen something looking in his window. So I had to actually go physically go over and retrieve him from his house and he would not go back there till daylight. So this is a guy, of course, both, both full grown men who aren't afraid of anything, but especially, you know, especially his cousin, ain't afraid of nothing. So, you know, for him to be calling in general, especially three in the morning, whenever it was, you know, early in the morning, I mean, he, he was, he definitely seen something. Yeah. Yeah, because he would he would never call me three in the morning. We both have guns. He was scared to even move out of his chair to go get his gun. So that right there was you know I never I never really went back to his house after dark after that moment because you know since a kid, since I was a kid I've always believed that there's something out there. Even in Lens Hollow, my dad and I went back in the woods, real far back in there, and there's sandstone caves. Never seen my dad go in there. I went back with my brother. No one I went back there with would ever go into them. But, um, you know, I look forward to someday maybe going back in there and taking a look around. Uh, Ben's is so close to where I am now. We should totally do a, do a live podcast. Yeah, film. Like straight up, yes. <laughs> we, should, we totally should. That way they can find the camera. <laughs> after we're after we're done disappeared. Definitely during daytime though, not nighttime. Yeah, no daytime. I felt I felt I felt safe safer during the day. We never had any encounters during the day that I know of. So it was always at nighttime. You know, the boogeyman come out at nighttime. Terrifying experience. But from that point, we moved to the bigger city, and uh, no worries about Bigfoot there. But it seems like it seems like you couldn't you couldn't win. You know, we get you know Bigfoot's gone at this point. We're in the city. It's not even noted, you know, no encounters or occasions with Bigfoot, and especially in the inner city. But then, but then they end up, uh, what was that movie? You end up watching a movie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> One of my friends and his mom took us, took me and my friends to uh, the movies and then introduced me to, I never even had cable in Lens Hollow, so introduced me to Amityville Horror. Which notably is one based on a true story and one of the oh. scariest movies. And I believe it, what, what was it again? I believe it was The, uh, the, was it the Father. End up killing his family. Oh yeah, yeah. So then, you know, I was I was worried about the house I lived in at that point, modern and nice, but I was worried about doors slamming shut by themselves. So it was just a new fear from that point. But but the the Bigfoot thing is is absolutely one hundred percent truth. It just wasn't me as a kid imagining there there's been law enforcement involved, investigators, and 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 pretty much anybody that come to our house on a regular basis has experienced something with it. So. Um, you know, I'll, I'll live with that for the rest of my life and believe it's true 100 percent like I said we we definitely at some point in this in the in this podcast in general we definitely need to do a road trip it's not that far from us we need to no. do a road trip and find those uh sand cave and and do an actual live like a Facebook live or Twitter live periscope whatever we need to do a live one so. certainly. I do. I do have that external mic as well. Gear up. Oh, that'd be awesome. Head on in. Alrighty. Well, you heard it first here. I hope you. I hope you guys like that little uh, interview insert there. Um, you know, you guys shoot me a, an email or you know suggestion. If you look at lootnews.com forward slash listen hyphen here. At the very bottom of the episodes page, you'll see just a little box. You can submit whatever you want, whether it be critiques, you hate me, you love me, whatever. It does not matter. I'll read it all. If you got a topic you want me to go over or you think it'd be interesting, I will uh, put the topic down there, and I will also give a shout-out for whoever's topic I pick. So any, anyways, moving right along here, I've got seven mind-boggling bog body stories. Let's just let's start off here, shall we? Now, I know for a fact, after you guys listen to this cast, um, this episode, 
Just search it. Search it up. Search a picture up of uh, what a bog body looks like. You'll be freaked out. The Windy Bye bog bodies. Star-crossed lovers, criminals, or strangers. Windy Bye, formerly known as Windy Bye Girl, is a bog body that was discovered in a peat bog located in the town of Windby, Germany. It was discovered in 1952 when peat from a bog was being cut by locals. Unfortunately, the machinery used for the peat cutting had already severed one of the body's legs, one of its feet, and one of its hands. Initially, the bog body was dubbed the Windby Girl, or Wind as it was believed that the body belonged to a 14-year-old female due to its slight frame. There was no grave goods found with the body apart from a woolen band covering the eyes and collar around the neck. For the former, it has been suggested that it has either been used to cover the corpse's eyes after death or to hold their hair back, in which case the band would have slipped down over the eyes due to the shrinkage of the body. Later, another bog body was unearthed close to where wind, wind by eye was found. I'm just going to say windy by, by the way, for anybody listening here. This time, it belonged to a middle-aged man who had been strangled with a hazer branch, and it was then placed in the bog on a stake. According to the Roman historian Tactus, Tacitus, um, the Germanic tribes that lived beyond the Rhine had the custom of punishing wrongdoers by having their executed bodies staked in bogs. Therefore, it was thought that the two bog bodies belonged to adulterous couple who were caught and punished. However, there are some problems with this belief. Firstly, Tactius information was biased and often secondhand. Second, the Windy by eye bog body displayed no signs of trauma. One would expect, you know, the person had been executed. Instead, the remains suggest the person suffered from repeated bouts of illness or malnutrition, which finally resulted in death. In 2007, the remains of the Windy by girl were re-examined in the, in the DNA analysis, suggested that it's more likely the body belonged to a male, not a 14-year-old female. And radiocarbon dating on the two bodies from the Windy by revealed that the older so-called male was a lover, was in fact 300 years older than Windy by today. Both the Winnie by bog bodies, along with another body, a headless body, and a bodiless head, <laughs> are housed in the Lance Museum in Schwazwig, Hostein, Germany. Second story here. The puzzling Grabaldemann. Grabaldemann is the name given to a bog body that was discovered in Denmark, ironically in 1952 also. This bog body was found by a group of pea cutters working in the Nebogald bog near the village of Grabal in Denmark. 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 When Grabal man was discovered, a quick visual examination of the site revealed that he was completely naked and that he had no belongings with him. His hair, strikingly red, was also noted. This, however, was not the natural color of Grabal man's hair when he lived, but the result of his immersion in the bog. Further examination of the museum revealed that he was about 30 years of age at the time of his death. He was 5 feet 9 inches or 1.75 meters tall. His hands and fingers were smooth and showed no signs of manual labor. Radiocarbon dating showed that Gerbal Man lived at some point of time between 310 and 55 BC during the Germanic Iron Age. When researchers examined Gerbal's man's stomach contents, this is crazy. This is how much it preserved the body, by the way. They found his last meal was porridge made of corn seeds from 60 different herbs, and grasses containing traces of poisonous fungus called ergot. The fungus probably made Grabal man sick 
and incapable of work. It likely caused painful symptoms including convulsions, hallucinations, and burning sensations for the mouth, feet, and hands. It is possible that he was regarded by his neighbors as being possessed by an evil spirit, which could have led eventually to execution and deposition in a bog. Gerbal man was killed by having his throat slit. It is also possible that he was a criminal, though, who was punished by death, or that he was a sacrificial victim. These hypotheses found uh, support in the writings of Roman historian Tactus. Though the lack of manual labor done by Gabal Mans makes the second hypothesis more plausible. Today, Gabal Man is housed in the Mosgard Museum in Arhus and is one of his main attractions. He is exhibited in room protected from light and temperature changes so as to maintain his excellent state of preservation. Moreover, the room was designed in such a way as to allow visitors to experience how it is like to be the ill-fated Elling Woman. Elling Woman is the name given to a well-preserved bog body that was discovered. Oh, I'm going to. I'm not even going to try. Okay, I'll try it. Discovered in Bejesvarkel Bog. So, sorry about that. Anyways, near Sukborg in Denmark in 1938, when a farmer was. Digging Pete, initially the farmer thought that he had found the remains of an animal that had drowned in the bog. He only realized that this was a human remains and noticed a woolen belt around the body's waist. While the back of the bog body was well preserved and front was not, in the 1970s it was determined that the body was a woman aged about 25 years of age at the time of her death. Radiocarbon dating suggests that Elling woman living during the Iron Age of northwestern Europe between 4th and 2nd centuries B.C. The body was dressed in a skin cloak and blanket. cloak of a cowhide was wrapped around her legs. Furthermore, the body's hairstyle, which was long pigtail formed by intricate pattern of plating, tied into a knot, was noted and inspired many modern recreations. A skin rope was also found with the body, which suggests that Elling Woman was hanged to death. The rope has a sliding knot, which made it suitable for hanging. In addition, Elling Woman's, Elling Woman's neck has a furrow left from her cause of death. Scholars are uncertain if she was a criminal or a sacrificial victim. Who bludgeoned the Blockstan man to death and why? Around 700 years ago, a young man known as the Boxton Man, was struck three times in the head, then tossed into a peat bog and impaled with three wooden poles to prevent his body from rising to the surface. His body was discovered in a peat bog in Boxton in Sweden in 1936. Studies conducted on Boxton Man over the decades have revealed some interesting information about this young man. Based on his attire, a tunic, coat, a mantle, cloak, and a hood, woolen hose, a woolen hose and leather shoes, which readily well preserved during the waterlogged condition of the bog. It was concluded that Boxton Man or Boxton Man lived in the 14th century. Clothing suggests that he was a person of high standing. In addition, he also had two leather belts and two knives on him. The man was between 30 to 35 years of age when he died. His long hair also supports the claim that he was a high-ranking individual in his society. Furthermore, it was found that his skull had been damaged by three blows from a blunt weapon, perhaps a polar hammer. If Boxton Man was indeed a victim of murder, two main hypotheses have been presented regarding the reason why. The first is that Boxton Man had been recruiting soldiers and was killed for that. Another suggestion is that he had been a tax collector, which caused him to be murdered. I guess that's a pretty good reason. People don't want to pay it. It may be pointed on the Boxton man had a branch from a straw roof stuck into his chest, and it has been proposed that this was done, perhaps by the perpetrators of the crime, to make sure the victim could not seek revenge from beyond the grave. 
Boxton Man's face was reconstructed about a decade ago, and the model is displayed in the Howland Museum of Cultural History. That's absolutely terrifying. In 2000, peat harvesters near Ukta, Germany, found pieces of human bone and tissue mangled inside the blades of a peat harvesting machine. Radiocarbon dating showing that mummified hand and the bones belonged to a girl who lived in over 2,500 years ago. And I am reading part of a story. Sorry about that. That is not the picture of what I thought was Boxton Man, because that is creepy. Anyways, this is called the Mora Mystery. In- Alright, you already read all that. Anyways, she was believed to have been between 16 and 19 years of age when she died. What she was doing in the bog is still uncertain, but it could have been anything from simple household chores to gathering bilberry, a plant known for intoxicating properties and used for medicine. Some researchers have suggested she was a witch. Called Mora for her discovery in the moor. Scientific analysis shows that she had suffered from seasonal malnutrition and had a curvature to her spine that's possibly resulted from the weight of tumor at the base of her neck. Her hand was the only part of her body that was mummified, while the rest of her body has been skeletonized. Skeletonized. Mora is now housed in the Institute of Legal Medicine at the University of Hamburg, Eppendorf, in Germany, where scientists continue to research her life and death because she was found without personal belongings, jewelry, any other indications of funeral. It is assumed that she was alive at the time she entered the bog. One of the most famous, famous of the bog people, bog bodies, the Talon Man and the Tale of the Ritual Sacrifice. This is a good one. And this is probably one of the best, you know, if you ever look at it, Talon Man, one of the best uh, preservations I've seen thus far. Talon Man is a naturally mummified body of a man who lived in the 4th century of B.C. It is believed that he was hung as a sacrifice to the gods and placed in the peat bog where he remained preserved for more than two millennia. Today, the face of the Talon Man is preserved as the day he died. The look upon his face is calm and peaceful, as though he's looking upon a sleeping man. This bog body was found by two brothers cutting peat near Sickleborg, Sickleborg in Denmark in 1950. Analysis of his remains show Tallin man was slightly over five feet tall and approximately 40 years of age when he died. The stubble of his chin, eyelashes, and wrinkles in his skin can still be observed in minute detail. His last meal was porridge made from 40 different kinds of seeds and grains. He was naked apart from the leather cap and a wide belt around his waist. Around his neck was a braided leather rope tightened in a noose. It was clear that he had been hanged, but archaeologists want to find out if he was a criminal, a victim of crime, or part of a ritual sacrifice. Tallin man showed no signs of injury or trauma, a part that caused by the you know the hanging. It was clear that he had been buried carefully in the bog. His eyes and mouth had been closed, and his body placed in a sleeping position. Something that wouldn't have happened if he was you know a criminal, common criminal. When someone somebody died in the Iron Age, the body was cremated in a funeral pyre, and the ashes placed in an urn. But Tallin man was buried in a watery place where the early people of Europe believed that they could communicate with their many gods and goddesses. He was also killed in the winter or early spring at time the human sacrifices were made to the goddess of spring. And most scholars agree the Tallin man was probably a sacrifice. He now resides in a special room at the Silkborg Museum. Lastly, Osterbyman in his great hairdo. <laughs> Osterbyman in his great hairdo. Wow, well, wow. Anyways... The Oster, the Oster by man, or the Oster by head, shall we say, because it's the only thing that's there, uh, which was unearthed in 1948 in Oster by Germany and dates to 70 to 2080. Only the head remains, but the hair is very well preserved, having been tied in a Subayan knot, type of hairstyle reported to be prevalent among ancient 
tribes in the area. It is unclear whether the Ostrobi man was executed or sacrificed, since, you know, his head's the only thing that's there. It appears he suffered a rather violent death, though. His left temple was shattered. Fragments were embedded into his brain. Um, Osteological analysis shows that he was most likely between 50 and 60 years of age when he died. This indicates that he was probably Subai and was a free man, not a slave. He may have been, um, you know, high standing as well, since the Subaya knot was a status symbol. His age suggests that Ostrobi man died honorably making it plausible that he was sacrificed. However, it's not inconceivable that the man who was respected in the society may have done something to lose you know, his respect and may have been executed. I know right now that y'all's minds are flooded. Bog bodies. Look it up. Look bog bodies up. It's, I mean, I, I can tell you all day, but you got to see this. The preservation on these bodies is crazy. That will conclude our main topic. But with that said, always make sure, you know, if, if you like this, if you got questions, remember to always go to lootnews.com forward slash listen hyphen here. Very bottom of the page, submit topics that you want me to talk about, um, suggestions, other segments, anything at all. Submit it. Submit it. I'll get it. I'll respond back to you. Um, and we'll go from there about recording an a, a episode on it. And then also um, make sure you are following my Twitter and Instagram, all, you know, at Loot News, all lowercase, Loot News. And um, I've always say this, but um, we are ad-free, this whole podcast. We are always ad-free, always will be. With that said, if you still feel like um, supporting the podcast, go on to patreon.com slash, of course, Loot News, and um, become a member. But with this month of January, everything I earn in January, you know, that will not go toward the podcast, that will go straight toward um, Australia, Prior Red Cross, they're a really big need. So if you're not going to become a Patreon, you know, Patreon member this month, and you just want to try me out, log on and, and your computer and just donate. Not to me, but to Australia. They're definitely in need. But with that said, everyone out there, continue being safe on the roads, driving, doing what you're doing. Have a, you know, just return back home the way you left it in one piece. And remember to have a good rest of your morning, afternoon, or evening. Thank you.